What's up and welcome to Ahead of the Curve. This is your host, Jonathan Gellner, and I want to say thank you for joining us today. On today's show, we have on Jim Macieski, athletic director and head baseball coach at Malden High School in South Carolina. Maj has been the head baseball coach at Malden since 2009, so we go over what building the culture over the last decade has looked like, we discuss how we can leverage social media as a celebration tool, but also how to use it to keep alumni connected, and we dive deep into some really cool ideas on how to get parents involved in a program. You're going to love this episode, and here is Jim Macieski. Maj, welcome to the show. Great to be here, Jonathan. I appreciate you having me. Absolutely. So you are the athletic director and head baseball coach at Malden High School, and I'm, you know, that, that's a, quite a role in itself, and I'm sure that we'll, we'll get to dig in on lots of different challenges that, that you've gotten the opportunity to uh, deal with and, and, and I'm sure do well with. But for our listeners who want to get to know how you got there, would you mind letting them get to know you a little bit better by giving us a short snapshot of why you decided to get, to coaching, get into coaching and then how you got to Malden? Absolutely. So I grew up in, in Buffalo, New York, a uh, suburb called Lancaster, played for a guy, played for high school football for Len Jankowitz. And by the time we moved um, into that town, um, my, my, my dream was to play Friday night football and, and step on Foyle Clean Field and play for him. So uh, I guess I would have to credit, you know, my, my wanting to get into coaching, um, you know, due to Coach Jank and um, he, he's a legendary football coach up there in Buffalo, and he just set me on that path of, of wanting to do what he did. Um, he was our athletic director as well um, at the time. You know, um, amazing guy, uh, and ended up he was drafted to play a professional baseball and professional football. So he, he kind of gave me the itch to want to coach at, a, at an early age in high school. But, um, you know, after leaving Lancaster High School, I, I played at Monroe Community College for two years uh, for Skip Bailey. Um, who, who was unbelievable, went on to play uh, two years at USC Upstate for Matt Fincher and was, was fortunate enough to be an assistant coach for him for a year. And then Ben Waddle at Dorman uh, had my car packed, ready to go after graduation. And, and there was a, a PE job open. And actually, Coach Reams, who's with us right now here at Malden, I was leaving Dorman at the time. So uh, it was the perfect storm. He gave me my first opportunity uh, to be an assistant coach. Spent four amazing years with him at Dorman, um, and then this job opened up in 2009, and I've been here 11 years. So, um, you know, it's been a uh, it's been a very um, you know enjoyable, tough, um, rewarding journey getting getting here to Malden High School. I love that, and and you're I think when did you get the athletic director job? Was that last year? Yeah, I was named last end of last February. So. Right at the beginning of, of Corona, COVID was is when when I was named, and um, you know the rest is history, if you will. <laughs> oh, wow. oh wow! So you uh, you got thrown into ba- basically baptism by fire right? just this last couple of months. Yeah, the big yeah. It, I mean, it's been it's been tough. Um, just the logistics of everything of, of following the guidelines, district protocols, state protocols. Um, you know, scheduling all, all that stuff has been a challenge, but it's really, really rewarding, uh, you know, especially this past football season, you know, getting to see those guys play their season and, and being able to stand in the end zone on a Friday night. Um, what was really, really fun. We're about to get cranked up with our 
first home basketball game here on Tuesday. Uh, we, we have a really good, really good couple basketball programs here on campus. So we're, we're excited to get going. Well, that's awesome. And uh, I'm sure it's, I speak for everybody when I'm say when I say that I'm sure it is glad to really good to be back and, and seeing different sports being played. And even, I know it's how tough it is and I can't imagine what, what your day to day looks like, but I want to talk a little bit about whenever you started the job at, at Malden in 2009. And so I, I'm always curious because people talk about like what to be what to be prepared for in an interview process and how to make sure that your coaching journal or pamphlet or coach's handbook is ready to go and and how to answer all of these questions but they don't really tell you what to do on day 1. And so can you kind of walk through what that vision was like whenever you started what you wanted to truly like do first or, or like your, your first couple of, of different things that you wanted to check off the list. And then, you know, l- looking back, what was the most critical thing that you did? Um, well, the, the initial vision, you know, at 26 years old was, was entirely wrong. Um, I, I was, I was spoiled as, as an assistant at Dorman our first year we played for a state championship. And in my mind, um, the way I thought, you know, we were just going to do that every single year. And the history and tradition of this baseball program, you know, far uh, exceeded my time here here at at Malden beginning in 2009. Um, the countless number of, of players that have come through here, coaches, I mean, it's it's unbelievable. But, um, you know, I took entirely the, the, the wrong approach as, as a young head coach. Um, what was in it to, to win, uh, you know, it wasn't about, developing the kids, developing them into individuals, young men. It was about the bottom line of how many baseball games we can win. And it, it was 100% incorrect. It was wrong. And looking looking back, I was sitting at a wedding six years ago of one of our former players, the first wedding I'd ever um, been invited to of a former player. And we're sitting around a table with a couple of other of our boys. And, you know, naturally the stories start flowing. Coach, remember you did this. Coach, remember you said this. Coach. And I wanted to crawl under the table. And it was right at the time, I think my daughter might have been three or four weeks old at the time. It was my wife's, my wife and I's first outing, you know, outside the house with, with a newborn. And, you know, it, it really put things into perspective of what they, what this thing is all about. Um, you know, we're, we're not, we going into it, we're, we're not trying to force relationships. Um, we're not trying to force kids into, you know, having that, um, close knit relationship with, with us. It, it to me, it's all it's all predicated upon the game. It's predicated upon teaching them what hard work is. Um, it, it's all it all goes back to trying to be the best we can on a daily basis, and those relationships built from there. Um, so I would say I, I, we were talking a couple of days ago with a couple of our our guys that that are now um, at Clemson before before an inter squad, and we were talking about everything and. Um, you know, we have a, a, a grad transfer at Clemson and we have a true freshman and, and T.O. is kind of in the middle and talking to, to Rishesh and, and, and Eddie, uh, you know, they Rishesh knows pre-Olivia and, and Eddie knows um, post-Olivia. So those those vast contrasts of, of coaches of, of who I was um, is immense. And like I said, going into this this thing at 11 years ago. Um, the, the approach was was way off and wasn't filled with perspective of, of making the experience of the kids um, the, the biggest priority. So I think that's that's some way where I've I've learned and I've grown um, 
<clears throat> over the last 11 years. I love that. And, and how long did it, how long into the job did it take you to make that transformation? Uh, four years, a long four years. And, and, you know, my, my first year, we made the playoffs for the first time in two years. We had a terrible second year. We were inexperienced in a lot of spots. And, you know, my set, my third and fourth year, uh, we finished in the top four. We had a couple of draft picks, um, you know, doing some really, really good things. And it was because we were ultra talented. And, you know, I'm not really close, close, close with a lot of those guys. There's there's some of them that, that I talk to on a regular basis, and that's my biggest regret is those, those couple special teams three out of the first four years were, were really special. And, um, you know, the what, when a coach says, the most proud moment is, is when you see one of your boys get married. Um, you know, they, they call you when they have their first child, whatever that may be, you know, that the death of a parent, they're, they're calling you to let you know, um, you know, those, those moments with, with those groups are few and far between, and, uh, um, you know, nothing more than, than fault of, of myself. And, and that, that's something I, I really, really regret. I think that you're not alone in that. I think that, you know, a lot of us, we, we think the same things and, and those of, those of us who haven't made that transformation yet, then, uh, I, I think hopefully that you are, you are going to inspire some change in them. And so, you know, one, one other thing that I think is really interesting within programs is what standards that they have, or, or you could call them them rules, or you could, you know, call them guidelines, but you know, what are the things that are important for you and Malden to be able to do to be a successful program on and off the field? Yeah, absolutely. We have, we have three. Um, we, we have be the best, be the best son you can be to your parents. The second one is be the best student you can be in the classroom. And the third is be the best athlete you can be in the weight room and on the baseball field. And I think all three of those are all encompassing with everything we're asking our kids to do, um, you know, on a daily basis. Can they can they truly say and it, it's it's a challenge now with with where we are within our district academically. You know, our kids are only on campus two days a week and they're they're um, e-learning and, and doing virtual classes. Those other two it was really, really hard, I think, for them right now to, to sit there and be able to say, you know, I, I gave my best today when I was. Um, when I was e-learning and in, in, in my virtual classes, like I got up on time, I, I have a routine. Um, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do to be, be the best student. Uh, the, the son one, you know, be, being the best son they can be to their parents. I mean, that's, there's so many bullet points that could fall underneath those rules, so that, that standard, that expectation. Um, and as they say, you know, it, it takes a village and hopefully we're doing a, a pretty good job with, with helping parents. Um, you know, help raise their, raise their sons. I know with two, two kids now for, for me, it does. It, it's, it, it's, it's a difficult thing, uh, raising, raising children, especially now in, in the, in the pandemic that we're going through. Um, but, uh, it, the, the third one with being the best athlete they can be, you know, we're, we're, we're asking them, you know, like I said, on a daily basis, to be able to, to look themselves in the mirror. Did, did they give their absolute best in the weight room and in training that day? Um, you know, did they do the things they were expected to do at a high level, um, you know, when their coaches weren't, weren't watching? And again, that's a, that's a deviation from in, in transformation over the course of 11 years of, of somebody that, that had three, four pages of, of rules 
um, at the beginning. You know, if they didn't step with their right foot at the right time, there's a consequence. And it, it handcuffs you, it backs you in a corner, and the, the kids don't have any freedom or, or their their individuality. And, and all they're doing is trying not to break rules as opposed to just, just doing what you're asking them to do, which is be the best they can be on a daily basis. So what do those conversations look like? Let's say that uh, you have player X that shows up late, which would constitute probably all three. And I think that that's something that most coaches look to and, and they want their players to be on time, which is a life skill. So let's say that I'm player X and I show up you know, five minutes late to weights. What does that conversation look like between us? Well, to start, the conversation happens the next day because if we have kids that, that show up late to do the weight room or training, we just send them right home. Um, we don't really have knock on wood. We don't, we don't really have time issues and it's something we, we hammer into them. Um, from, from day one, we're going to be early. Um, you know, and if, when we get early, it's not when we're there early, it's an opportunity for us to steal some reps, have some conversations with my teammates, hang out, build some relationships. But that conversation the next day is, it's a pretty simple one. Um, you know, we, we have a saying around here that, that coach Reams coined several years ago. Um, and, and we say that's Malden. Everything we want to be able to, we do, um, whether again, it's academically, it's as a person, uh, it's in the weight room, it's on the field. We want to be able to say at the end of the day, you know, that, that was Malden. Um, the way we play, the way we conduct ourselves in the hallway, um, when we're out doing community service, when they're out by themselves, you know, are, are we, oh, we're constantly going back to that question and, um, and that statement, that's Malden. Is it, is it Malden to be five minutes late to the, to the weight room? Is it Malden to not turn your assignments on time when they're supposed to be in? Um, is it, is it Malden to, you know, not be engaged in, in the game, um, you know, to, to make mental mistakes? So everything, all the discussions we have re- really go back to, to that statement of, of that's Malden. Oh, that's awesome. I've seen you use that a couple of times on, on social media, and I, I thought that that was yeah. really, really catchy. And, uh, you know, obviously you do a great job and, and that's kind of how we've connected just because I think the ABCA chats a couple of years ago with Jeremy Sheetinger, whenever he was running stuff. And I was like, who is this Machieski guy who just is killing everybody with all of these cool graphics. And so, you know, we've, we've talked a couple of times since, and I've, I've since been following up on you for sure and, and have had you as a guest, a potential guest on the show for a long time. And so I'm really excited uh, again to, to get to interview you and learn from you today. And so you talk about that's Malden a lot, and you have done a great job from the outside looking in of, of building the culture there, but also leveraging leveraging social media to be able to do that. And so let, let's talk about the, the latter point a little bit. How have you been able to, and, and what's your process been like of using social media as a way to build the culture within your program? And then we'll dig into kind of the nuts and bolts of what it looks like, you know, in person. Oh. Well, the, the social media aspect of it, you know, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm on Twitter more than any grown man should, to be honest with you. And, um, you know, it's, it's just a way to kind of, of celebrate what our kids are doing and, and showing a sense of pride with, within our program. Um, you know, I'm, I'm proud as, as anybody that, that I get to wear, um, you know, this jersey and this logo um, and, and I get to call it call it my job. Like I, I get to go to work and come to school um, and, and be a part of, of one of the most, um, you know, historic baseball program, programs in the state of South Carolina. And, and I'm proud of that, that, that fact. And, and I want to celebrate that. Um, we have unbelievable kids and, and 
you know, I want I want the world to know what they're doing because we're really, really proud of them. Wins and losses aside, um, we, we have tremendous kids. We have, we have awesome coaches. We have, we have a great school. We have a great, um, you know, leadership within it. And uh, I just want to go ahead and, and celebrate that essentially is, is kind of where it started. Um, but uh, I mean, that, that's kind of that's kind of where that that was born was, no, was just, again, want, wanting to celebrate what we're doing. Um, and, and we're really proud of the fact of what we have and um, hopefully the tradition we're continuing on and, and those guys from the past can look and see what we're doing and, and, uh, and be proud of it. Oh, for sure. So you, you also, I, I think that, that another way that social media has helped is you just mentioned it is that's that connection piece between the alumni and then the current group to kind of see what they're doing. Because if, if you know, if you don't look on Twitter, like this, this weekend, I was looking at, you know, Union was in the semifinal. So I was on looking to see if, you know, how they were doing. And unfortunately they lost, but at the same time, that was my only way to be able to connect with, with that group that's in there right now, because I'm not in it every single day. And, and maybe I don't have, you know, if I'm a former player, I don't have friends in the group anymore, but you still want to look and see how they're doing. And you, you know, kids, I'm not going to look at a newspaper the next day. So have you found that that's a pretty easy step to be able to do that? Yeah, I think it's, it doesn't take much time. You know, if you plan ahead a little bit and, and spend a little bit of time, you know, some of the, some of the, the game promos we do and, and, um, you know, weekly schedules, you know, if you create a template early and it doesn't take much the, the week before to just kind of fill it out, save it. And you, I mean, with, with tweet deck and everything going on, like you can schedule those things to go out. Um, it's not terribly difficult, but, uh, um, you know, again, our, our alumni, and I've learned this from the AD perspective now is that that's, that's a lot how our alumni and parents get most of their communication through, through us is through the social media part, you know, the Twitter, the Facebook, Instagram. And, and it's funny how the different factions, age groups of, of people are on the different things. So, you know, I'm constantly trying to update as many things and stay current with what's out there. Cause a lot of people, you know, would rather flip through Facebook or Twitter, or Instagram to see an update or a game score or some important announcement as opposed to, um, you know, checking email or, or, or remind or group me or whatever it may be. So there's a lot of different ways to celebrate what you're doing. Um, keep alumni involved, make important announcements, things like that. So I think it's an imperative for any coach to, to try to figure out a way to do that and it's you know there's obviously adobe illustrator and power everything you can do there, there's cheap ways to to, to stay current and, and keep keep the public and the community updated with what's going on within everybody's program no doubt and hashtag that's malden right hashtag that's malden absolutely <laughs> <laughs> i love that so talk about you know we talk about culture as this just elusive thing and i mean basically it comes down to the standards you set and the environment that the kids are going into every single day which you know i think the belief behavior and experience that that they're going into but you know we 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 speak on culture a lot and and it's really kind of hard to bottle it up and explain exactly what it is but just in in your best way of of trying to set that example of every single day what they're going to look like in the environment that they're going to come into what is what are the things that are really important to you you mentioned that your standards so you want them to be the best son the best student the best athlete you know on the field and in the weight room but how do you i guess how do you foster that that environment on a daily basis 
I guess the biggest thing is is we try to create and, and foster the relationships with our middle school kids um, right off the bat. Uh, before before coronavirus hit us this summer, it was two summers ago was the first time we had every middle school um, middle school baseball player who was zoned for us in the weight room with us for eight weeks over the course of the summer. Um, That's awesome. You know, we we had different training sessions for them uh, in the evening time. So they were with with our coaching staff, some of our players um, all summer. And, and I think that's that's where that's where it starts. Um, we're the only district in the state that has middle school baseball. So we don't get our kids um, on campus within Malden baseball until the fall of their freshman year. So it, it took me it took me nine years to kind of have the courage and, and be brave enough to have seventh and eighth graders in our weight room um and and doing everything we do on a daily basis throughout the course of the summer um and and then they become accustomed to not only you know with 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 what we what we aspire to be our standards our expectations our training philosophies things like that they just get comfortable coming on campus they they know where the weight room is they know where the the locker room is um they they have they have a, a sense of comfort for when they do step on campus as a freshman, you know, they can, they can, um, be at peace and say, you know, I've, I've done this for two years. I'm not, I'm not overwhelmed. Um, but that's, that's been a huge aspect for us. And unfortunately this past summer, we couldn't do any of it. Um, so I feel like we're a little behind and we're trying to make up, um, with, with that lost time where we can. But, you know, the second thing is that I think is really good that again, it's, it's a struggle for us to do it now because of, because of the number of kids on campus and things like that, which we're trying to get creative with, with, you know, the Zoom calls and group me and things like that. And, and the little time we do have with our kids is, is what we started, dude, I don't know, five or six years ago, Mavs U, where once a week, every every Monday afternoon throughout the course of the year, they're in season, out of season, um, we, we have lessons for the kids. And, you know, we spend time with them in the classroom setting, trying to teach them a little bit character development, um, leadership skills, life skills. Uh, you know, baseball, bunt coverages, cuts and relays, our offensive and defensive philosophies. And, and that's something that, um, I, I really, really love and, and have enjoyed building and cultivating. Um, you know, Tyler Gillum, a number of years ago, tweeted something about what they do over at, at, um, over in Arizona. And he was more than accommodating with taking me through what they did and, and helping me create an idea or, or vision of, of what we wanted to do here. And over the course of the time, it's just become our own. And, um, you know, it might be based off a, off an article uh, I, I've seen or, you know, something I've read where it, it might might hit to the core of what we're dealing with within our program during that time that we veer off the course of, of what curriculum we have built and we can just go with it. Um, you know, we've, we've done group presentations within that time. Um, you know, we've had assistant coaches uh, do some presentations. We've had group work. We've had strictly lecture. Like we've done it. We've done it every way, every which way you can um, imagine. We brought uh, guest speakers in, not only baseball, but but different areas of, of sport, of athletics, in the business community here in Malden. So we've we've tried to uh, make that a, a staple within our program. It's one of those non-negotiable things that that we're going to do. Every single year, um, as long as I'm the, the head coach, head coach here, and um, I think it's been been really beneficial. Oh, that's wonderful! So, 
uh, while we're on it, I was going to save this question for later, but since we're talking about the pandemic and, and we've hit on it a couple of different times and whether you're listening in December or whether you're listening 10 years from now, uh, we're currently going through the COVID pandemic. And so it's kind of thrown a wrench into everything that, that we have done in the past, but what's something that you're, that you will continue to do that you ha- have had to change because of COVID, uh, that you're going to continue to do in the future. Um, that, that, that's easy. That's my appreciation for, for every day I get to be with our kids. Um, <clears throat> here I am getting choked up over here, like watching those kids walk off a floor field last March was hard stuff. <clears throat> and as you can tell, I'm still not over it. Um, cause that senior group was special. Um, and I tell these kids every day I'm, I'm with them Monday, Wednesday or the Tuesday, Thursday group, like they're the best part of my day. And, uh, I appreciate them. I love them. And, uh, you know, it's just my, my wife, if she's listening to this, she's going to be rolling on the floor. Um, cause I am the crier of the, uh, <laughs> of the family, but, uh, I love it. You know, it's, it's just, it, it's, it's the daily appreciation. No, no matter how good it's going, how bad it's going, it's being around those kids, it's being around our coaches. And, uh, you know, it, it's something, like I said, I, I tell them, tell them every day, they're the best part of my day. Um, and I, I didn't always think like that in the past, but after seeing our our seniors last year and um, have their final year rip from them, it's just tough. So just a daily appreciation for getting to do what I do is the biggest thing. I love that, and, and thank you for sharing. I know that's that's uh, there's a lot of coaches nodding their heads right now and and, and thinking the exact same thing and. And, uh, man, it's, yeah, for sure. But I, I do kind of want to switch gears a little bit. And so let's, you know, we, we were talking about the culture and I think that, you know, with, with every level that, that you move up or go down, whether it's high school, college or professional, you have these different challenges, uh, to, <laughs> to face. And the one that is, is constantly brought up with, with high schools is parents, you know, how do you deal with parents? Because, you know, if, if you don't do the right thing, then they're going to get you fired or, or whatever. And so, how do we, or how do you, you know, I, I don't want to say deal because, you know, you could use and, and insert right. different words or, or one or for another, but how do you incorporate them? I, we could use that one. That sounds better. How do we incorporate them into the program to where it's like, we're trying to help them become young men, but you know, after having a kid and you have a couple of kids, you still want to be a part of it. Uh, but how do you, you know, get parents on board to what you guys are doing and, and how do you make them a part of your program uh, with with some safe distance, I guess you could say? Absolutely. I, I think I think the right maybe even for parents, um, you know, how, how do we get them to take ownership of the program? I, I think I think that's that's a word that can that can be used with with that idea. Um, I, like that. I was. Like I said at the beginning of, of my coaching career, made made a lot of mistakes, and one of the biggest mistakes I made was was trying to keep trying to keep distance between myself and our parents. Um, you know, I didn't want them to come to practice. I really, and this is bad to say, like I, I didn't really have have used to to talk to them um, other than if it was a fundraising uh, opportunity or whatever it was, and and that was that was completely um, completely wrong. Like. We, we, we need our parents to be successful. And I think any, any coach listening to this could probably correlate, correlate the success of a season based off the, um, the quality of parent, the, the, the quality relationships between the coaching, the coaching staff and the parents. I think 
I think that's something we all could take a, a deep dive into and, and kind of see. I mean, there's no way to quantitatively evaluate, uh, you know, parental involvement, whether it's positive or negative. But, um, you know, the, the better years we have with relationships with parents, the better years we've had on the field. So, um, you know, what, one of the things that that we've talked about in in our Necton group, um, and, and we got some coaches in there that do an amazing job with their parents. Um, and, and I think it was, was Adam Mosley from Hoover was, you know, we, we got to create positive rumors, um, you know, uh, for, for our coaching staff, with what we have going on amongst the parents. And the only way we can do that is to be open and transparent with them. Um, try to involve them as much as we can. Um, you know, whether it's fundraising, uh, it's, it's field work days. One of the things we started a couple of years ago too, was inviting them, inviting our parents uh, on picture day to have pictures taken with their son and the moms get a Jersey, uh, you know, and, and they take pictures in front of the scoreboard. And it's just a way, is, is it a neat keepsake for every kid in our program? Absolutely. But again, it's just one of those ways to, to have, have a little bit of conversation, you know, let them, let them see, let them see us when our, when our wives are around, when our kids are around. Um, and, you know, it might change their perspective a little bit of, of us as coaches, um, of, of things, you know, that, that might've gone on. Uh, and, and that's one of the things we, we started, like I said, a couple of years ago that have, that have been huge, um, you know, helping them b- banquets, you know, things like that, just having them involved in as many different creative ways as possible, I think are, are big, you know, if, if camps, you know, I like to have, have some parents involved with helping us organize camps, whereas before it, it was, I'll just do it. Um, but now I try to seek out ways for the parents to help with the organization of it, to help with registration, uh, to help with handing out T-shirts, to, to just help just to get them inside the facility and, and be around. And again, see us see us in a different light as opposed to, you know, Tuesday and Friday nights when the lights are on and, and, mm-hmm. and it's, a, it's a huge region game. Um, I, I think that's huge. No, for sure. It's... Uh, <laughs> as you were mentioning all of these different things, I was just thinking back to the analogy of, of how easy is it to be a social media keyboard warrior versus whenever you actually get to know somebody, you know? Right. And so I, I think that that's really cool. I, I didn't know about the the picture day and, and I think that that's a really neat idea to be able to do that. And cause I, before having a son, I had, you know, I wouldn't have thought about that or, or how special that would be. But now like getting to see him grow up and me wanting to be a part of his life, even though he's two, I could definitely see how that would, that would definitely be a cool thing whenever he's 30 or, or 40 years old. We still had that. So right. that's, that's really, really neat. And so one thing, one thing we've, I'm, I'm sorry, I apologize no, go ahead. by interrupting JG. One, one of the things that just hit me, we've done in the past too, again, we didn't get to do last year. So you, you some teams professionally, and, and I stole this, you know, obviously, you, you know, we talked about it earlier today, um, a, a huge Buffalo sports fan, um, you know, and, and what the Sabres do, the hockey team up there, they, they have a dad's trip. So when they have maybe like a three or four game road trip out to the West Coast, they take the dads with them and the dads stay in the hotel, the dads go to practice, the dads go to dinner, really, really cool experience for those guys. So we decided a couple of years ago um, we were going to have a dad's trip of our own. So we were playing a Saturday afternoon game downtown at Floor Field. So I had the kids. I had a had an invitation created. The kids the kids signed it. We had you know a formal formal envelope. 
uh, we invited that for, for a dad's day. And what we had was um, we had them come to BP. They were hanging out on the field. They were hanging around the cage. Uh, we gave them all a hat, which you thought, you know, what would have been a million dollars. They rode the bus with us to to the ballpark. And we had a connection. One of our former dad, one of our former players' fathers had a connection with the GM of the drive. And they had this sitting area down the right field line called the dugout where you can get catered food in there, catered drinks, things like that. So with, with that connection, we, we had, we had some food in there for the dads. They had, um, you know, some, some, uh, non-alcoholic beverages were down there and, and they just got to hang out with us for the day. And it, it was a really, really cool experience. And again, some of those, those dads, it, it was the first time I actually got to, to have, have a conversation with them, um, you know, during BP and just hanging out and, and just shooting the bull. Um, and I thought it was really, really beneficial um, to spend that time with them. And again, last year we weren't able to do it, but if, if things trend hopefully in the right direction this, this spring, you know, it's something we plan to do again. I love that. And I love hearing about that. And, and I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm writing all of this stuff down as, as just things that, that are, are a little bit different than, you know, but, but I, that's Malden. <laughs> that's all. That, <laughs> that's all that I uh, that I can think of. Whenever you're saying these di- things that you guys are doing a little bit different, I'm like, well, that's Malden. That's that's cool. So, <laughs> so let, let, let's actually get into some like nuts and bolts of baseball. And all again, let me rewind and say all of this is really, really important to be able to set up the culture to your program, and I absolutely think so. Uh, but I do want to get into like the nuts and bolts of what you guys are teaching on on the field. Uh, and again, all of this, I think, can set up for the way that, that we are performing on a field. But I did want to get into some different stuff that you guys do in the fall. And a couple of things that, that you've mentioned so far is, is I know that, that you guys have had this fall may be a little bit different because you guys are on campus twice a week. And so right. tell us a little bit about how you've gotten creative with that. Are you still being able to see guys a couple of times a week or are they just only for school? And then you know, when do you guys start? And then let's talk about, uh, we can just kind of roll from there. So we, we, we have them seventh period in a team sports class and we're, we're really, really lucky to have that 45, 50 minutes, um, to, to have them, you know, on the field and in years past, you know, we've used that time to, to start our, our training in the weight room. Uh, but this year I just thought it was, with as many freshmen, we have over 30 freshmen trying out this year. Um, the way they get in the class is, is they get enrolled in seventh period PE and we pull them into the baseball class. So any given day right now, we have between 20 and 24 kids uh, on the field with us uh, Monday through Thursday. And the way we started it this year, they, they were all playing in a fall league together. We had some some alumni. Um, Justin Dean was with the Braves organization, uh, was coaching our varsity guys, and, and we had a few other other guys that are no longer playing, helping them out. But we took the first two or three weeks uh, to kind of prepare for that fall league. You know, pitchers were throwing their bullpens, doing their doing their thing, you know, lots of ground balls, um, you know, hitting, doing doing all that, just trying to get them some reps to be prepared to play in, in that fall league. But when that was over, um, which was maybe mid-October, you know, we, we kind of we shut the, shut the arms down for a few weeks and, and really jumped into our – our offensive philosophy, um, you know, uh, some simple swim mechanic ideas and just had stations going on the field and in the cage area. Um, and again, it's, it's, it's difficult to have them two days a week, 
uh, and, and try and, and feel like you're, you're accomplishing something. But what I did was I took everything we were trying to teach within that, that, that 80 minutes in, in that, that week and put it in there into our Google classroom. So they did have the notes. They did have the ideas, the philosophies. They had hard copies on that. And we encouraged them, you know, around, around the World Series time to, to watch as much baseball as they could and see if they can identify any of those, those ideas offensively that, that we were talking about and trying to teach, teach them, teach to them. Um, so, so, and that, that led right up to the, to the time when our, our field was overseeded, which was good because we couldn't be on it anyway. Um, but right now we're, we're tomorrow, we're going to be starting our, our offseason throwing program and trying to implement daily, you know, a few different basic, uh, defensive ideas with, with cuts and relays. It might be bunt defense. Uh, and, and, but the main thing is, is just catching and throwing. Um, we're, we're huge into the idea that if we can handle the baseball, uh, we can throw it accurately. We're going to be able to play against most teams that, that we play, um, on our schedule. And we, we try to drill those basic ideas of, I mean, we break it down and integrate, you know, with, with our guys. You have four year seniors rolling their eyes because I'm talking to them about gripping the ball across the horseshoe, thumb underneath, face between their hand and the ball spinning at 12-6, taking their hand north-south, moving their feet, um, you know, targeting the ball in their pocket, all those simple basic ideas um, that you would think they've heard probably a million times in their career here, we just start right over. And we're not really changing what we're doing. We're just changing um, and getting a little bit more creative with the amount of time and what we do and, and how we're trying to um, progress throughout the next um, – you know, month, five weeks until Christmas break. And then when we get back from, from Christmas, January 4th, so we're going to take, take that class time and, and just daily try to, try to, um, incorporate and, and touch on and, and teach, you know, the, the, some basic defense and offensive philosophies that we, that we have here. And, and hopefully it would be something that our freshmen take advantage of and they pay attention and they learn, um, and, and try to lock in onto the details that, that we're big on. I really like that a lot and don't let your seniors roll their eyes. So I, <laughs> I, I think that, that this is, this is something that I'll never forget. So we're in spring training and one of the guys is like, Hey, we should do like the, the black four seam backspin balls, you know, trying to get them to, to throw the ball better and obviously have more backspin. And, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, man, this is like elementary age stuff, you know, probably internally rolling my eyes. And right. so we, we, it took like two hours to be able to mark on all these balls. And, and so we, we bring them out there and they were there play catch balls every day. And some of the guys were like, wow, these are really cool guys in triple A or double A. And they had never seen that before. So right. I thought that that was, you know, one of the more interesting things that I, you know, I, that I had seen because I just assumed that they knew, but then, you that's, know, it just goes. That's funny because, because I, I'm looking at electric tape, electrical tape on my countertop across my office. And every kid in our program last week got a baseball with electrical tape wrapped around it because that's the exact thing we worked on last week was was trying to spin the ball correctly and yeah, uh, there you go trying to get our freshmen understand the importance of 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 that twelve six rotation and um, hand placement on the ball and release and, and all those things to get that thing to fly straight and, and accurately. So that's funny. That makes me feel a whole lot better because they were kind of doing the same thing. Like seriously, coach, we we have electrical tape on the ball like yeah mm -hmm. that's what we're gonna do and uh you know some of those guys that were out there really really locked in trying to trying to make it spin the right way and and um focused on what they were trying to accomplish like got better in, a, in the 30 minute 
um, throwing program just by trying to make that thing spin straight. Oh, no doubt. No doubt for sure. So uh, another thing that, that I'm really getting interested in is, is really locking in on, on how we can help, you know, we, we, we want to grow the team and we want to have that, you know, <laughs> have a really good team feel to everything, but we also want to have good players and I don't want to say that you can't do both, but it does take extra time to make sure that, you know, players have goals. They know what their objectives are. They, they need feedback. And so it's, it, it takes extra time to do all of those things rather than having each player do, you know, drill X, Y, or Z and expecting them to get a lot better whenever that, that may not be their issue. And so how, you know, how do you help players to take ownership of their career? And that could be, you know, skill wise, but it could also be, Hey, I, you know, I want to do some things on my own. I want to, uh, make sure that, you know, this is our team, uh, and different things like that. But, you know, whenever I ask you that question, what, what are some things that come to mind? Well, the first, the first thing, first idea that that we try to, we talk to them as a group is, you know, putting the the perspective, the idea of if, if everybody within our program just gets a little bit better today and we do it again tomorrow and we do it next month and six months from now, think, think about how good, how good our program is going to be. And then if our program is really good and we're winning a bunch of games, um, you know, college guys are going to start to take notice and they're going to come. More of them will come watch us play, which will create more opportunities for guys that do want to go on to play at the next level to have those opportunities. So that that's kind of how we frame it. Um, after that, we, again, I feel really, really terrible saying this again, but, you know, in, in a normal year, um, we'll meet with our guys individually um, at the end of every fall and we'll mm-hmm. sit down with every guy and we'll, we'll try to get a gauge on, on what they're thinking as far as what they want to, what they want to try to accomplish uh, playing baseball, whether it's, you know, a, a freshman or, or it's a junior or a senior, you know, I want to know, do they have aspirations of, of playing college baseball? And if they, they say no, totally fine. Um, but I'd like to know what they're trying to get out of playing baseball here at Malden. What is their, what is their, their end goal? Um, and the guys that do want to go on and, and move on and, and try to play at the next level, we can do everything in our power to help them to do that. Um, again, last year, we last, not this past summer, but the one before that, I guess, pre COVID, uh, we had, uh, it, individual development plans for each of our guys. So each one of them was different. And we, we tried to sit down with each of our kids at the end of the fall. So the time period between, I, I guess, end of October and beginning of January, you know, things, specific things within their game, within their skill set, um, athletic wise, you know, what, what we felt they needed to accomplish. And then on the other side of it, they, they had to tell us what, what they thought. And a lot of the times they were, they were aligned, but and again, discussions and conversations had to be, um, you know, talked about that we necessarily didn't see eye to eye. We thought they they needed to improve in a certain area, and they didn't quite feel the same way. So we had to, you know, we had some healthy conversations, and we, we all got on the same page of, of where we wanted to go um, with with this player's um, career down the road, not only here but at but at Malden. So then after that, we would we would sit them down at the end, right, right before we started um, our regular season schedule. We'd sit them down again and, and kind of go over where they were. Um, you know, we did some things over the wintertime, um, later of the, of the fall to kind of gauge 
where they were strength wise, some different strength tests, um, some evaluation methods, um, simple, simple offensive things, just trying to measure everything we possibly could, uh, offensively, hard hit balls, executions, just the basic simple stuff I'm sure everybody on here does. Um, pitching wise, you know, we, we started tracking, um, strike percentage years ago. Um, you know, and, and the top guys that, that throw the most strikes pitch for us. Um, and, and that, that's interesting. Um, you know, we, we track, we track the ability to play catch. We have coaches with little index cards marking down how many times a group throws a ball away. And, you know, we have some repercussions if a ball does hit the ground, uh, individually. And then at the end of any throwing session, uh, you know, we have, if, if, if some days it's three, four or five, they, they have the entire group as soon as we're done throwing has some sort of consequence if, if five baseballs touch the ground within that, that throwing uh, uh, session. So we try to take all that, all that data and, and, and talk to them about their improvement and, and try to track it as best we can. But again, this year has been so crazy. We, we just haven't been able to jump in and, and as heavily as we, as we wanted to um, with that. So the, the, the IDPs have been huge for us in those conversations um, in the fall right before our season starts and then at the end of our season and, and trying to, to make sure these guys are headed in the right direction with what they want to accomplish. Oh, really good. I love that. And uh, again, it's, you'll be back on the field soon and be able to uh, do all of those different things. But uh, again, right. COVID COVID throws a wrench in, into everybody's plans, but again, right, thank you. Right. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that stuff. So uh, another thing that, that I think, that we can do a better job of is, you know, the game teaches the game, right? But how can we, how can we do a better job of teaching the game whenever we're not playing games? Because I think you mentioned you guys played two days a week and in Texas, we played, you know, two days a week here in Oklahoma, you could play six days a week or five days a week. And so it's a little bit different in every state, but how do we, how do we help them and with in-game strategy and game planning and those things? So I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on how we can help them with that uh, outside of the game. Right. I, I just think, think the discussion, um, you know, aside, aside from us playing, uh, if you, if, if you just pay attention, that the, the game's always teaching you something. It, it's, you know, it, it, it's a, it's a, a complex game, I think, based on some some simple ideas. And uh, I think I heard Butch say a couple weeks ago on, on something, one of the weekly podcasts it seems like he's on, um, you know, the game has a structure. And I think if we if we can get our kids to understand that the more they watch, the more they think about, uh, you know, the, the game, not necessarily playing it, but just paying attention uh, while they're watching the game on TV, they don't have to sit down like, like I do do and watch you know a three-hour Yankee game and flip over to a West Coast game um and, and just and just be locked in trying to trying to get as much out of it as they can but if they, if they sit down for a couple innings and, and just pay attention to what's going on they'll get an understanding of of you know what it is that the game is telling them to do um with, with technology now baseball savant is huge um we've we've had them do little projects within baseball savant of you know some situational hitting some um, trying to find some defensive uh, plays that that we've been practicing or or we're talking to them about that they have to kind of go in and find something similar and, and break down the play and, and let us know what's going on, what's the situation, what's the score of the game. Um, I think that that's been valuable for us as well. 
just to try to get them to, to think a little bit differently, try to develop a little bit um, higher IQ about the game. But again, it just goes back to, you know, the game, the game's going to tell you uh, what, what it wants you to do, what it, what it needs you to do uh, for you to be successful. Um, but, uh, and, and I think that's something as a whole, today's generation, for, for whatever reason, um, struggles with just sitting down, going watching, watching a game or, or going to find a game. You know, in our, our area, we have very high level baseball um, within the Southern Conference, the ASUN, um, the SEC, uh, the Atlantic, I mean, the, uh, the ACC, the Atlantic Coast, kind of like there, there's high level baseball everywhere. We have we have high level Division two baseball. We have SMC that's right down the road. Um, junior college wise, like there, there's there's high level baseball all around us. And it doesn't take much to get in the car uh, to go watch and, and pay attention and, and see if you can learn something. I love that. Those are really good. And I, I love the idea of the baseball savant using baseball savant. I think that that's it's obviously it's a really cool, a widely used tool, but giving them projects on that would be really, really cool and, and having them research right. that. And so, yeah, that's that's really, really good. But I know uh, you well enough to know that uh, that your practices are, are fairly <laughs> fairly organized. Just guessing from the amount of organization that, that you have on social media and, and getting to know you a little bit better. But talk to us about your practice organization. And you've mentioned base running quite a bit. I, I want to hit on that here in a bit as well. So keep that in the back of your mind. But just as far as as practice organization goes, you've gotten to be a head coach for over a decade, and and so I'm sure you're you've gotten to be able to really narrow down your focus on what's important when it's important and things like that. But just what how do we how do we organize practice in a way that that helps translate to on field success? The the best thing we we did five or six years ago, we were we were in a practice working on picks and rundowns or or first and thirds or or something to that effect, and our pitching coach and I looked at each other, looked at it, one another. And, and I think it was almost simultaneous. And we looked, we, we, we said, you know, w- when is the last time we had to execute this? And several years ago in a playoff game, we, we got burned on a stealing stop in, in a, in a first game. And it was my life's mission that we were never going to get beat on a first and third ever again. So it was your typical, we're, we're going to do first and thirds for 20 minutes. We're going to do bunt defense for this amount of time, this and this and this. and him and I continue to have this conversation um, over the course of the next few days. And what we, what we essentially decided to do was have our coaching staff rank the things that happen in the game the most. And that that's pretty much how I go through and organize practice and, and prioritize what, what our kids need to know and what they need to do the most to be prepared, be prepared to play the game. And I think that significantly changed number one, the enjoyment of practice for the kids. Um, you know, not having to, to, to work on bunt defense for, for 25 minutes every day or, or whatever it was. Um, and they started to, to have a little bit more fun of actually playing the game during practice. And, you know, it, it's one of the things I think that, that I'll never change. We're, we're going to do, we're, we're going to try to field as many types of ground balls as we can. Our outfielders are going to try to field as many fly balls as they can. Um, we're going to make throws from all different parts of the field. We're going to work on catching. Um, we're going to do all those things that at the end of the night, you know, if we can, if we can put the ball in play more aggressively um, than, than the other team, uh, if, if we can run the bases better than the other team, uh, if we can, 
you know, field more ground balls and make more accurate throws and catch more fly balls. Um, at the end of the night, I think we have a pretty good chance to be to be successful and, and, and win. Um, so that's something I, I'd encourage everyone to try to take a look at your practice plans and see see how much time you are dedicating to things that may not be that important. Will, will they come up? Yeah. Do you have to cover them? Absolutely. Um, but the basic idea of, of the game is is hitting, catching, and, and throwing. And those are the things I think are, are most important at the high school level. If we can get a team of, of kids that can throw throw strikes, um, put the ball in play, run the base as well, and and catch the ball and throw the ball, we're we're going to be we're going to be okay. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. That'll that'll take you to the big leagues. So with with your base running stuff, you mentioned that you got in touch with Tyler Gillum a, a little while back, and I know you know Tyler's a great great person. Obviously, he's from Oklahoma, so so he has to be right. But that's a good shout out. Yeah, there you go. But but how does how did that conversation with him change the way that you guys did it? And you know, looking at at high school schedules, you are very crunched for time. You don't have unlimited time to be able to be able to do this stuff. So how have you found to implement base running in a useful way that that we can steal from you? It's gonna be it's gonna be ten to fifteen minutes every single day after we do our movement prep, regardless of um point of, of the season, preseason, uh, in-season playoffs. If we're inside in the gym, we're going to do some sort of base running every single day. Um, you know, and, and one of the things that, that we have planned for this year, we, we get sometimes a little stagnant with what we're doing. So, you know, we, we feel like um, steel breaks and dirt ball reads are, are something we, we try to hang our hat on here. And, you know, we, we try, I try to have our coaches hold me accountable we get two, three days in a row where that, that first 15 minutes is similar um, to get on me a little bit and say, hey, man, we, we got to change it up. We got to do something different. So one of the things on, on the docket for this for this spring is to make sure we're doing something different every single day with, with base running. It might be dirt ball reads uh, one day. Uh, the next day, you know, it might be uh, double steel breaks at first and second. Um, you know, our tag rules the next day, our ground ball rules, things like that, our, our hot reads at third base split reads. So it's going to be different. And one of the things we do base running wise, and again, it's not groundbreaking, but I think it's really, really good to get them to be comfortable with, with third ball reads. We put guys at first, second, and third, and we put a coach up there with a catcher and we, we just read dirt balls. And, you know, it, at the beginning it, it's messy. It's ugly. Um, it, it's, it's not, it's not essentially what you're looking for. Um, you know, down the road, but it just gets them to, to more, to, to me, that's a skill based running wise that, that they need to see and, and rep tons of times before they can get comfortable doing it in the game. And one of the ways we do it, what, what we believe is, is we try to, we try to read the ball as early as we can out of the pitcher's hand. So again, there, there's many different debates, many different ways to ideas of how to do this but what we'll do right off the bat our, our first time doing it we'll take our l screen and turn it around and and essentially split the mound and home plate and we'll take a fluorescent string and try to get it as close to release point of, of our pitcher as we possibly can and string it to home plate about where um and we put a tamp and we string it on the tamp right about the the, the level of, of where they're going to read the ball into the dirt and we put we put a box screen behind that tamp, 
And, and we just rep and we coach, we rep and we coach and we'll do that for about a week. And we, we just try to get them again to, to see the ball as early as they can out of the pitcher's hand. And, and we feel like that that's an advantage for us. And, and, uh, hopefully, hopefully, you know, teams that, that we play, um, have it in the back of their mind that, that they're going to have to do a good job of, of blocking and retrieving to, to be able to, to have a chance to throw us out. And, and it kind of goes into, I'm um, not to go off on a tangent with, with dirt, dirt ball reads, but I don't know if you get that as a passion of mine. I really, really like it. No, go ahead. We, we try to, we, we try to put it in their perspective with, with the kids. There, there's a few things we need to do on, on the offensive side. Um, and those trump what, what the, what the defense has to do. So as a base runner, we, we need to read the ball. We, we need to make a decision. Um, those are the only two things that, that we as base runners have to do. Read the ball down angle, make the decision to go. Um, now, whereas the defense, they have to block the ball. They have to retrieve the ball efficiently. They have to throw, make, make an accurate throw. They have to catch the ball. They have to tag. Those are a whole lot more things to do on the defensive side than it is for us to read the ball and make a decision to go or not. So we feel like if we can get that ingrained in our kids' heads, that our decisions are much simpler than what the defense has to execute. It gives them a little bit more confidence to make that decision um, whether or not to go. Oh, for sure. I love it. So we're going to, uh, I'm going to knock out some quick hitters. And my usual first one is, uh, was, was the COVID question that I asked you earlier. So, uh, it was right. the, you know, how did you change from, uh, from one to the other, but an, another one that I really like, and, and this is something that, you know, we, we always want to find drills that excite the players. And like you mentioned, switching things up ever so often is, is a great way to be able to do that. You don't want them to get stagnant. And so co if we're constantly towing the line between where, you know, we're, we're trying to make sure we ingrain it, but if they're going on autopilot, then it's not going to be good. And so I, I am trying to create a drill data bank, you know, in my Evernote file of, <laughs> of drills that other coaches know that gets their players excited. So what's one drill that you have that you know that you guys do, or if you showed up tomorrow and you're like, Hey guys, we're doing this drill today. The kids love it. So what, what's that drill for you and, and, and explain it to us so we can steal it from you and implement it. Uh, I think, I think two, two defensive, well, one, one strictly defensive drill we do. Um, and, and again, it, it, there, there might be a little controversy within it as far as hitting, but what, what we like to do is is have our outfielders and catchers hit live ground balls to our infielders off the team. Um, and, and that's something our guys get really, really competitive at. Um, and, and kind of two things, like I think it's important for hitters to, to learn how to control a barrel. And if we can if we can have high school kids that can set a ball, a stationary ball on a tee and um, be able to hit, you know, a one-hop line drive through our infielders' shins um, to create some barrel awareness and direction, I think they're getting better. And then again, on the flip side of that, our, our, our infielders are getting better because they're getting some sort of, of live read. Um, you know, we'll put stopwatches on them when we do that. Um, we'll turn double plays. We'll, we'll work into our, our shifts. We'll do all kinds of things with that drill. And, and it, gets, it gets a little bit competitive because our, our outfielders or catchers are trying to literally, you know, smoke baseballs through, their, through the infielder's knees. Um, you know, there'll be a little bit of chirping going back and forth if, if a younger kid, you know, flinches and, and doesn't get in front of the ball, um, our infielders are turned back a little bit. If, if, you know, there's some some 46 hoppers being hit to them. So it gets a little bit competitive in that aspect. And, and then what we'll do on the, on the flip side with our outfielders, we'll put our outfielders out there 
our infielders will come in um, and we'll set the tee a little bit higher. And that's where our infielders are working on trying to hit line drives over our outfielders' heads. And, you know, we, we had some frustration with our outfielders in years past of, of not getting the spots of, of their breaks being inefficient, their angles. Um, so we just got the idea, hey, we do with our infielders. Let's try it with our, our outfielders. And again, it's another thing that gets a little bit competitive. Our outfielders keep, um, you know, taking poor angles or, or our infielders are, are just banging balls over their heads. You know, there's chirping going on and, and it gets them gets them in, in a different, a little bit more competitive environment. Um, so there's that one. And then I've listened to enough of your podcast, JG, to know that everybody's talked about whether it's, it's Tiger BP, it's, it's Revere BP, it's um, Bengal BP or whatever it is, um, the dead live, dead live uh, BP from, from Iowa Western and Clemson that they've, they've coined. But that's something our kids really, really enjoy um, and, and get after it. And again, all, all the stuff I learned over quarantine about the different BPs that, that Clemson does, again, they're right down the road. We have, we have several kids there, so I'm a little bit partial to, to their program. But the base running BP and, and the different things that they do, I, I was a little bit disappointed we haven't been able to do yet, which I'm excited to, to put into practice here. But anytime we can be competitive, I, I think our kids get after it, whether it's a bunt scrimmage, it's a hit and run scrimmage, um, you know, things like that. Our, our kids, our kids really kind of jack it up a few notches. And especially if you put something on the line, which, you know, isn't groundbreaking, but for high school guys to be able to talk a little junk to one another and, and get after one another, I think is, is invaluable. One of my questions for you, uh, since you're a head coach, is we, we take Reaver BP and Tiger BP, and it's basically you have a you know game-like BP. So it's either dead live, dead live, which some people do, or you, know, you have regular BP and then the last one's live. Do you do that? And, it's, and it's, a lot of it is for def, uh, defensive work, like team defensive work. Do you right. what are you planning on using that as your BP for the day or as your like defensive work for the day because I mean that's probably an hour of practice that you would spend doing that stuff I mean depending on right. the amount of players that you have so I was just curious cuz uh, with I don't I'm not sure the amount of swings but you you know we're talking about th- making things more game like and so I w- I've always been curious on do people hit before this do they have guys hitting off to the side or, or just kind of work with me through what you guys would be doing to make sure players get reps but they also they're seeing a ton of game like reps which is also a good thing which is an even better right. thing so essentially how we would structure that um, you know we we try to do we we veered away from your I guess your normal feel good BP to to something something game like at the end of over practice but if we were to do maverick bp um we would we would do some early work first defensively so our jv would hit in the cage while our varsity is doing a quick you know 15 20 minute early early defensive period um just trying to work some fundamentals get them get them locked into whatever focus that, that is for the day um defensively if we were doing some team defense um and then they would flip so our jvs would come out for for their defensive work while our varsity would go into the cage um, and, and knock out their early work. So they're, they're getting their, their, their skill work um, early after, after we would throw, um, you know, and then whatever, whatever other focus we would have team defense wise or team offense wise, whether it's, it's bunts that day, it's um, cut stands, relays, top of priority, whatever it is, um, you know, they're, they're getting their individual early work 
done first, both in the cage um, and defensively. And then we'd, we'd end the day with, with Maverick BP, and, and that's where they're just going to play. Um, you know, there's days where, where, where they chart um, touches and, and web gems and, and plays made, things like that. Um, you know, we work on our shifts from the infield standpoint, from the outfield standpoint, different alignments, things like that, whether it's, you know, shallow, if they're playing no doubles. So they're trying to get as many game-like, game-like reps um, as possible. One thing we do also within our practice plan is, depending on the round, we, we try to get them to understand angles towards a base. So th- this round, they might be everything might be working through third base. The next round, everything might be working through the plate, whether it's a ground ball, it's a fly ball, um, you know, it's a, it's a do or die at the plate. Um, you know, we're, we're really trying to strip what everybody's doing defensively so it just doesn't turn into a, to a shags session we we want them to understand um every rep they take should have a purpose um and 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 you know they're, they're getting something out of it essentially i love that and again thank you I, it's one thing to hear it on a podcast and then it's another another thing completely to try and find time to implement it and how you're going to do it what you're going to do what what it looks like how you're going to set it up how right. you're going to sell it with the kids and and so I, I love hearing, you know, how people steal things because the hard part for me is, is how do I steal it and make it, you know, work with the constraints that I have, the constraints, the resources, right. the kids, the amount of players and things like that. So that's always helpful to hear that too. And it's, and it's something with, with, with anything, you know, you, it, it evolves into your own. Like you, you take something you've heard for somebody else and you think it's going to be great for your program. Uh, and, and for your kids and the first time you do it, you, you instantly start getting ideas of, of how to how to change it and tailor it to, to what and who you have. Like we don't we don't do exactly what Clemson does or Iowa Western or whatever. It, it, it's become our own. And over time, the more times you do it, I'm sure we'll go out there in, in February. And the first time we do it, um, you know, we'll, we'll sit there and say, OK, maybe, maybe we can't do that with this group right off the bat. Um, but what we found, too. With anything like that, communication on the front end, I think, is most important, um, you know, and, and making sure the kids are comfortable and, and starting slow and, and, you know, stopping right in the middle if you have to, just to kind of get everybody back on the same page, because it is a fast moving, um, up-tempo drill that that freshmen especially are, are going to be sitting there going, what in the world? What, what, does, he, what does he mean dead? Like, what, what does he mean live? Um, you know, no matter how many times you tell them. So I think the communication aspect you know, of, of everything on the front end, uh, is, is the biggest, the biggest piece and just taking it, taking it slow, um, and getting them to understand exactly what you want is the most important piece of that. I love it. Thank you for that. So last but not least, uh, if you were going to buy a book for every one of our listeners, you had the, you had the, I gave you the budget to be able to do that. What would you buy for them? Um, I'm going to go to, I think my, my, the first book I ever read as a coach at 23 years old, Coach Waddle made me read it, um, and, and it wasn't really that difficult because it was it was by a Yankee. I, I would I would say Joe Torre's Ground Rules for Winners. Um, it's kind of a throwback. Obviously, right now it's a little dated, but um, you know I, I think I think it's the ideal book of you know how to how to go step by step with with becoming becoming a leader. Um, you know, making sure people are are, are um, you know, doing the things that, that you're expecting and wanting them to do, um, you know, how to deal with, with some adversity, uh, setbacks, how to handle success, 
again, it's the first book I, I ever read as a coach, and, and it's something I reference back to um, quite a bit. So uh, Joe Torrey's Ground Rules for Winners, I think, is, is really, really good. Well, I love that. And, and let me be the first to say thank you again for coming on the show and just sharing so much practical advice that coaches from all levels can definitely, definitely resonate with and take and steal from you. But I'm going to open up the mic for you. And again, thank you, for Jim, for coming on the show and, and sharing so much. But is there anything else that you'd like to tell our listeners before you go? No, I just want to say thank you to, to you for giving me the opportunity to, to share about what we do here at Malden and bragging our kids. Uh, but, uh, you know, th- thanks for what you do for the game. Um, it, it's, it's really, really good. I, I enjoy every week listening to your episodes. And again, just for whatever reason, if, if any of our coaches are listening or any of our kids um, fumble into this, I just want to say thank you to them for the time and, and dedication and, and commitment to our program that they do every single day. Thank you for listening to Ahead of the Curve. You can subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, which can include Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, or YouTube. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please share it on social media to help get the word out. Once again, thank you for joining us.